0: What's news this week? They argued the rifle is a lethal military weapon that should not have been sold to the public. Adding to all of the corruption mayhem,
1: the Brazilian economy endured its worst decline in 25 years in 2015.
0: Ontario grants that would essentially make tuition free for students from low-income families.
1: Welcome to What's News This Week. I'm Zachary Camp.
0: And I'm Nick Kenya. Welcome back to the show for this week. Today is Sunday, March 6th on a nice sunny afternoon.
1: Today we got a great lineup for you. We're going to be bringing you some news about the Prime Minister's website costing lots of money.
0: Last week we brought you a story on tuition fees. So there's been a little bit of an update with that so i'll give you details then
1: we're going to be moving on to a story about donald trump he said some interesting comments at the republican debate on thursday uh, we'll have a chance to revisit those since he reversed his position on them in less than 24 hours
0: then victims of the sandy hook elementary school shooting are coming out and are suing so i will give you the details on who they're suing and why
1: And then we've got a big international story coming out of Brazil this week with a national corruption scandal.
0: Then we move it to sports where we have the Maple Leafs report and a very interesting week in terms of NHL debuts for many of their prospects. We got the Raptors report as well. Peyton Manning has finally made a decision on whether he will retire or come back for another year. And then we've got a fun little story on Rick and Morty. So any fans of the show. I will give you an update on the new season and what's going on with that.
1: Let's dive right in, Nick, with this story on the Prime Minister's website. What do you think should be on the Prime Minister's website? What kind of information and engagement from Mr. Trudeau would you like to see? Do you think it should give more than it's currently offering? Have you ever even thought about going to the Prime Minister's website? I'm asking you, the listener, because you own it. And it's costing annually over $1 million. Recently, the public servants who run the site requested a budget increase of $600,000. When I read this, I had to go check out the PM site. Now, it offers press releases and speech transcripts. There are photos and videos and a travel schedule. But nothing on the site seemed to be worth $1.6 million. The government allocates the equivalent of four full-time staffers to the site and say it has to increase to six. In an article in the Toronto Star, the CEO of a Toronto-based web development company, WebPro.ca, said the site is nothing special and could be recreated for ten dollars
0: to $20,000. Last week, we brought you a story about Ontario grants that would essentially make tuition-free for students from low-income families. Well now, the Liberal government announced Tuesday that along with increase in grants, tuition fees will also rise, a cap on tuition hikes that had limited increases to an average of 3% annually ends next year just as the grants are set to take effect. Minister of Training, Colleges, and Universities Riza Moridi said if the tuition fees go up, the grants will go up as well. Details of the increase in tuition have not been released by the provincial government, despite opposition parties demanding for more details on the new program. When I was researching this story for the show, it was a little weird when I went to news sites and news outlets because it seemed like they were saying the same thing, like they were just using a press release to basically tell you what was happening, but we were still left... With no reason why these tuition fees are increasing, so hopefully we'll find something as soon as possible.
1: In Thursday night's Republican debate, Donald Trump defended his position that he would use the military to target the families of enemy combatants if elected president. The issue of torture also came up in the debate with Trump continuing to defend his positions that run contrary to international law. The United States is bound by the Geneva Convention, which forbids the torture and killing of civilians. When the question of whether the military would actually be able to carry out Trump's orders came up in Thursday's debate, the Republican frontrunner boasted that he's a great leader and that the military will do everything he asks. Take a listen.
2: What would you do as commander-in-chief if the U.S. military refused to carry out those orders? They won't refuse. They're not going to refuse me, believe me. But they're, they're illegal. Illegal, you. You look at the Middle East, they're chopping off heads. They're chopping off the heads of Christians and anybody else that happens to be in the way. They're drowning people in steel cages. They then came to me. What do you think of whatever? I said, it's fine. And if we want to go stronger, I'd go stronger, too, because frankly, that's the way I feel. I'm a leader. I'm a leader. I've always been a leader. I've never had any problem leading people. If I say do it, they're going to do it. That's what leadership is all about. Even targeting terrorist families. Well, look, man flies into the World Trade Center and his family gets sent back to where they were going. And I think most of you know where they went. And by the way, it wasn't Iraq. But they went back to a certain territory. They knew what was happening. The wife knew exactly what was happening. They left two days earlier with respect to the World Trade Center. And they went back to where they went and they watched their husband on television flying into the World Trade Center, flying into the Pentagon, and probably trying to fly into the White House, except we had some very, very brave souls on that third plane, all right? Senator Cruz, you have no problem with it.
1: Less than 24 hours later, Trump issued a statement saying that he understands that the US is bound by international treaties,
0: and that he would not order troops to violate international laws. Some of the victims' families of the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in 2012 are suing the manufacturer and seller of the AR-15 rifle used to kill 20 children and 6 adults. They argued the rifle is a lethal military weapon that should not have been sold to the public. Families are targeting Freedom Group, the parent company of Bushmaster Firearms, which produced the rifle, as well as CAM-4, a firearms distributor and review Gun Sales, the store where the gun was bought. Lawyers from the Freedom Group said the company is protected by a 2005 federal law that shields gun manufacturers from most lawsuits over criminal use of their products. A Connecticut state judge's decision on whether to allow the suit to continue is expected by the end of next month. It is heavily anticipated by the arms industry and gun control advocates because it could provide a legal framework for holding the industry accountable for mass shooting deaths made possible by its products.
1: <sighs> On Friday, Brazilian authorities took former Brazilian President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva into custody and raided his home. The authorities spent more than two hours searching Da Silva's house for evidence and questioned him in a federal prison. This is in relation to a corruption investigation that has linked Petrobras to high-ranking members of the current and former national governments, both from the same party. Petrobras is the largest petroleum distributor in South America and they're based in Brazil. Police acted on 33 search warrants and 11 arrest warrants in relation to the corruption investigation. Operation Car Wash, as it's called, led external investigators to accuse executives at the energy giant of overcharging the government on construction contracts and then funneling that money back to themselves or to De Silva's workers party. President of Brazil Dilma Rousseff succeeded da Silva as party leader and president. She's about to begin facing impeachment proceedings in a completely separate scandal because she used funds from national banks to hide gaps in the federal budget. Adding to all of the corruption mayhem, the Brazilian economy endured its worst decline in 25 years in 2015 when GDP declined by 3.8%. That number, 3.8%, is a huge chunk of the nation's economy. To put it into context, roughly 12% of Brazil's GDP pays for social security for senior citizens, who in Brazil can retire at 55, which is a huge expense. The gross domestic product, shrinking by almost 4% last year, means less money for social security, and Brazilian senior citizens are going to feel the effects in a very real way. Rousseff will be forced from office in 2018 due to term limits, but in Brazil you can serve as many four-year terms as you can win in election, as long as you don't serve for more than two terms in a row. Even as late as this February, De Silva was stating publicly that he would run for re-election in 2018. These developments might have hurt his chances because any candidate for the Workers' Party is going to have to do a lot of work to repair a serious lack of trust from the Brazilian voters.
0: Now it's time for a little sports talk as the Maple Leafs had a busy week this week playing four games. On Monday the Maple Leafs hosted the Tampa Bay Lightning and for the first time in a while Maple Leaf fans had something to be excited about. That's all because of four highly touted Leafs prospects made their debut. It was William Nylander, Kasperi Kapanen, Nikita Soshnikov and Zach Hyman. The Lightning would take the game 2-1. But despite the loss, Nylander and Kapanen made an impact and looked very comfortable on the puck, especially playing in their first game. The Maple Leafs showed a lot of energy in that game, which we really haven't seen much of at all this year, and it seems like head coach Mike Babcock would agree with that.
3: I thought they were good. They're fast. They're hard on the puck. They got skill. You know, I thought we had the puck a lot. They played last night, so keep it in perspective, but I still thought we had lots of opportunity and I thought they made plays and played fast. So I was impressed with them. And Kapner obviously has breakaway speed, Willie has skill. Hyman a relentless worker, can still make plays and 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 Sasha I thought was good both ways, so those kids were good.
0: Honestly it was the first time I've been excited to watch a Maple Leafs game this season, I didn't really care that the Maple Leafs lost the game. They just showed that they had great energy, and it was just a small little glimpse into what the future can be like for the Maple Leafs. Now, the Maple Leafs were on the road Wednesday night, facing the league-leading Washington Capitals, and the Leafs would fall for the second straight time this week, losing 3-2. to But again, despite the loss, there was a special moment for young Nikita Soshnikov scoring his first NHL goal. All
3: right. That's that kind of season. Here comes Kadri. He'll drop the puck off,
2: and that shot Ooh. scores.
3: There's a snipe for Toronto, and that is a first career goal for Nikita Soshnikov.
0: Again, it was great to see the young prospects in the game bringing the energy and the skill, and it was fun to watch Soshnikov score his first NHL goal. Here he was after the game talking about the goal and how everything was set up for him
2: he said Kadri gave a good pass and uh, he came from the side and just had a good shot in the top corner. So it's, he's happy about it.
0: And again, Mike Babcock was very impressed by the play of his youngsters, especially Soshnikov, who brought a little bit of skill and a little bit of grit, which Babcock loves to see. You know, obviously,
3: he's a talented guy and he competes hard. And, you know, the one thing about it, the opposition knows the guys who compete hard and he, he was pissing them off. That's usually a good sign.
0: Now it was a quick turnaround for the Maple Leafs as they went home on Thursday night playing the Minnesota Wild. The Wild beat the Leafs 2-1 as they capitalized on their power play opportunities. In the game, Minnesota had four compared to none for Toronto and the Wild scored both their goals on the man advantage. So obviously Babcock clearly wasn't happy about the calls going against his team and he was especially angry at the officials.
3: I thought we got ripped off big time today. Uh, You know, uh, two teams played real hard. There wasn't much to take between the two. Uh, I took a penalty. We shot one over the glass. We took two others. They couldn't find one. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. And the other thing I know is that the people didn't pay to watch them play. Played to watch the players. Don't get involved in the game.
0: So that... Those were some interesting comments coming from Babcock, but it was really great to see Babcock really stick up for his team, obviously he wasn't happy with the calls on the ice, but he totally backs up his players, especially the young ones. And on Saturday, former Maple Leafs captain Dion made his return back to Toronto for the first time since being traded as the Ottawa Senators beat the Maple Leafs 3-2. Fanuff was given a standing ovation from the fans, and he even got into a fight with former Senators Colin Greening. The fans were treated to yet another milestone from a young Maple Leaf. This time, it was William Nylander scoring his first career NHL goal. Without Colin Greening,
1: is in the penalty box. Nylander gets an extra shift. William Nylander shoots. He scores! and the kid has his first national hockey league
0: goal william nylander ties the game 1-1 so even though we ended the week and the leafs did not have a win the leafs did see more energetic and exciting team the likes of which that we haven't seen all year they were so exciting to watch um i was really happy to see the young stars get into the game for a couple games and We'll hopefully see more of this uh, coming through by the end of the year. And we even got a look at Garrett Sparks, who played two of those games, and he made a combined 46 saves in two starts. He did let in uh, four goals, which is not a bad outing for him in two games. And the reason for this is that we're starting to see the implementation uh, of these prospects and what this team can look like in a few years and the reason for this is that and the reason that we're seeing these prospects this year is to get the nerves away to get them used to playing the nhl style of game playing men playing more physical game so it's good to see these guys getting used to nhl quality players and hopefully they'll make the team next year (laughs) Kyle Lowry was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week for games played last week. Lowry led the Raptors to a 3-1 week behind averages of 28.7 points, good for first in the Eastern Conference, 8.7 assists, time for second, and 6.3 rebounds. Lowry recorded a triple-double with 22 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists during a 122-95 win against the New York Knicks. And he closed off the week by hitting a game-winning shot as part of a 43-point performance in a 99-97 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Fresh off being named Player of the Week, Lowry and the Raptors were hosting the Utah Jazz at the ACC Wednesday night. At the half, the Raptors were up 54-49 and Toronto would stretch the lead to 11 by the 4th quarter and wouldn't look back winning at 114-94. Again, the Raptors backcourt came through It was Lowry with 32, DeMar with 31, and the Raptors got good production from their bench. And it seems like every week we talk about their bench and the consistency that they're getting from those players. Terrence Ross had 11 points and Corey Joseph had 7. It's really nice to see these players perform, especially coming off the bench playing limited minutes. Now with the win, Toronto broke their franchise record for consecutive wins at home with 11. The Raptors were at home again Friday night looking for their 12th consecutive home win and were facing the Portland Trail Blazers. This one was an interesting matchup for both teams because it was a battle of the backcourts. Raptors arguably with the best backcourt in the East with DeRozan and Lowry, Trail Blazers no slouch either with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. After the first quarter it was only a 1 point deficit for the Trail Blazers as the Raptors led 31-30. Toronto would open up a bit of a cushion heading into the half, leading by 6. In the 4th, the Raptors were looking like they were pulling away, leading 92-77, but Portland would fight back. A 3 from Lillard would cut Toronto's lead down to 1 with 2.2 seconds to go, but DeMar DeRozan would seal the win for the Raptors, draining 2 free throws as the Raptors held on for a 117-115 win. Really turned out to be a backcourt duel. Like I said earlier, DeRozan had 38. Huge uh, night for him. Lowry had 28 in the win. And Lillard had 50 points in the loss, while McCollum had 24. And this was a good test for the Raptors against a 7th place Western Conference team. The Western Conference seems to be more of a test because they do have the better teams. The Raptors really showed they can be a pretty good team. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas also played really well. He really exploited Portland center Mason Plumlee down low, really using his post moves and earned a double-double with 17 points and 10 rebounds. So Raptors did a really good job recognizing the mismatch down low in that position and it really paid off for them. So the Raptors' next game is tonight at 6 p.m. against the Houston Rockets. To the NFL now where a month after capturing his second Super Bowl title, Peyton Manning has decided to hang them up. Manning let the Denver Broncos know his decision and will announce his retirement at a press conference on Monday. Manning retires as one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in NFL history. Manning won a record five league MVPs and also became the first starting quarterback to win a Super Bowl with two separate teams. He also leads the NFL all-time in passing yards and TDs. And I found a really cool graphic which shows all of Manning's TDs, career CDs, and to which receiver he threw them at. So I will post the link to that on my Twitter at Canyon Nick. Big news for any fan of Adult Swim show Rick and Morty. Co creator Dan Harmon was in Miami for Magic City Comic Con at the end of January, and during a question and answer session with fans, Harmon was asked about the show and when next season was going to be released. Here's how Harmon responded.
1: New season? When is it coming out? Uh, I think season three is. I I believe it's. We're targeting around the end of this year. Uh, But you guys do realize we're at the beginning of this year.
0: (laughs) If you follow the show, you know that this was kind of unexpected. Season two ended with Mr. Poopy Butthole telling fans to tune in in a year and a half or even longer. But Harmon did joke when fans cheered, saying you guys do realize we're at the beginning of this year. Harmon also said that season three will include 14 episodes, which is a bonus from previous seasons. <sighs> I'm just so excited about the new season of Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. I, me too. Really I know you're, you're a
1: big fan of the show.
0: Since the end of season two... Yeah. And knowing that it was going to be a year and a half Or longer, I was like, oh man I don't want to wait Right. <laughs> Finding other ways to fill my time kind of thing
1: I know, it's over a year Away still, or like, yep. even, yeah The creator of the show said it's still a year it's away Essentially, like. But December. you're writing a news story on it You're yep. like, yes, Rick and Morty, yes, let's make it happen That's why I put it in So that's what we thought was news this week If you think someone that you know Needs to know what's news this week, then share The show with them. You can find us on SoundCloud And iTunes, and you can tweet me at the campwire and my handle is at Canyon Nick, and the show is at wntw podcast uh we'll be back next sunday march 13th until then thanks for listening
0: thank you